0: section 71 of egypt africa and arabia this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org the world story volume 3 egypt africa and arabia edited by eva march Tappan. section 71 how i found livingston by sir henry m stanley 1871. David Livingstone was a celebrated African explorer and missionary. After many years in Africa, he was lost sight of, and it was generally believed that he was dead. James Gordon Bennett, proprietor of the New York Herald, determined to send the young reporter, who was afterwards known as Sir Henry M. Stanley, in search of him. Mr. Bennett was then in Paris. Five hours after receiving his telegram, come to Paris on important business, Mr. Stanley was on his way to learn what was wanted of him. He arrived at night. THE EDITOR I went straight to the Grand Hotel and knocked at the door of Mr. Bennett's room. "'Come in,' I heard a voice say. Entering, I found Mr. Bennett in bed. "'Who are you?' he asked. "'My name is Stanley,' I answered.' "'Ah, yes. Sit down. I have important business on hand for you.' After throwing over his shoulder his robe de Chambre, Mr. Bennett asked, "'Where do you think Livingston is?' "'I really do not know, sir.' "'Do you think he is alive?' "'He may be.' "'Then he may not be,' I answered. "'Well, I think he is alive and that he can be found, and I am going to send you to find him.' What? said I, do you really think I can find Dr. Livingstone? Do you mean me to go to Central Africa? Yes. I mean that you shall go and find him wherever you may hear that he is, and to get what news you can of him, and perhaps, delivering himself thoughtfully and deliberately, the old man may be in want. Take enough with you to help him should he require it. Of course, you will act according to your own plans and do what you think best, but find Livingstone. Said I, wondering at the cool order of sending one to Central Africa to search for a man whom I, in common with almost all other men, believe to be dead, Have you considered seriously the great expense you are likely to incur on account of this little journey? What will it cost? He asked abruptly. Burton and Speak's journey to Central Africa costs between three thousand and five thousand pounds, and I fear it cannot be done under two thousand five hundred pounds. Well, I will tell you what you will do. Draw a thousand pounds now, and when you have gone through that, draw another thousand, and when that is spent, draw another thousand, and so on, but find Livingston." Two years later the following scene took place. We were now about three hundred yards from the village of Mujiji, and the crowds are dense about me. Suddenly I hear a voice on my right say, Good morning, sir. Startled at hearing this greeting in the midst of such a crowd of black people, I turn sharply around in search of the man and see him at my side with the blackest of faces, but animated and joyous. A man dressed in a long white shirt, with a turban of American sheeting around his woolly head. And I ask, who the mischief are you?" "'I am Susie, the servant of Dr. Livingston,' said he, smiling and showing a gleaming row of teeth. "'What? Is Dr. Livingston here?' "'Yes, sir.' "'In this village?' "'Yes, sir.' "'Are you sure?' "'Sure! Sure, sir.' "'Why, I leave him just now.' "'Good morning, sir,' said another voice. "'Hello,' said I. "'Is this another one?' "'Yes, sir.' well what is your name my name is chuma sir what are you chuma the friend of wakotani yes sir and is the doctor well not very well sir where has he been so long in manuima now you Susi, run and tell the doctor i am coming yes sir and off he darted like a madman but by this time we were within two hundred yards of the village and the multitude was getting denser and almost preventing our march Flags and streamers were out. Arabs and Wangwana were pushing their way through the natives in order to greet us, for according to their account we belonged to them. But the great wonder of all was, How did you come from Anyenyembe? Soon Susi came running back and asked me my name. He had told the doctor that I was coming, but the doctor was too surprised to believe him, and when the doctor asked him my name, Susi was rather staggered but during susi's absence the news had been conveyed to the doctor that it was surely a white man that was coming whose guns were firing and whose flag could be seen and the great arab magnates of ujiji mohammed bin sali sayed bin majid abid bin suliman mohammed bin garib and others had gathered together before the doctor's house and the doctor had come out from his veranda to discuss the matter and await my arrival in the meantime the head of the expedition had halted And the Kirangozi was out of the ranks, holding his flag aloft, and Selim said to me, "'I see the doctor, sir.' "'Oh, what an old man! He has got a white beard.' "'And I? What would I not have given for a bit of friendly wilderness, where unseen I might vent my joy in some mad freak, such as idiotically biting my hand, turning a somersault, or slashing at trees, in order to allay those exciting feelings that were well-nigh uncontrollable?' My heart beats fast, but I must not let my face betray my emotions lest it shall detract from the dignity of a white man appearing under such extraordinary circumstances. So I did that which I thought was most dignified. I pushed back the crowds, and, passing from the rear, walked down a living avenue of people until I came in front of the semicircle of Arabs, in the front of which stood the white man with the gray beard. As I advanced slowly towards him I noticed he was pale, looked wearied, had a gray beard, wore a bluish cap with a faded gold band around it, had on a red-sleeved waistcoat and a pair of gray tweed trousers. I would have run to him only I was a coward in the presence of such a mob, would have embraced him only he being an Englishman, I did not know how he would receive me. So I did what cowardice and false pride suggested was the best thing. Walked deliberately to him, took off my hat and said, "'Dr. Livingston, I presume?' "'Yes,' said he, with a kind smile, lifting his cap slightly. "'I replace my hat on my head, and he puts on his cap, and we both grasp hands, "'and I then say aloud, I thank God, doctor, I have been permitted to see you.' "'He answered, I feel thankful that I am here to welcome you. "'I turn to the Arabs, take off my hat to them in response to the saluting chorus of "'yambos I receive, and the doctor introduces them to me by name.' Then oblivious of the crowds, oblivious of the men who shared with me my dangers, we, Livingston and I, turn our faces towards his timbay. He points to the veranda, or, rather, mud platform under the broad overhanging eaves. He points to his own particular seat, which I see his age and experience in Africa have suggested, namely a straw mat with a goatskin over it, and another skin nailed against the wall to protect his back from contact with the cold mud. I protest against taking this seat, which so much more befits him than me. But the doctor will not yield. I must take it. We are seated, the doctor and I, with our backs to the wall. The Arabs take seats on our left. More than a thousand natives are in our front, filling the whole square densely, indulging their curiosity, and discussing the fact of two white men meeting at Ujiji. One just come from Manuema, in the west, and the other from Bunyanyembe, in the east conversation began. What about? I declare I have forgotten. Oh, we mutually asked questions of one another, such as, How did you come here? and Where have you been all this long time? The world has believed you to be dead. Yes, that was the way it began. But whatever the doctor himself informed me, and that which I communicated to him, I cannot correctly report. For I found myself gazing at him conning the wonderful man at whose side I now sat in Central Africa. Every hair of his head and beard, every wrinkle of his face, the wanness of his features, and the slightly wearied look he wore, were all imparting intelligence to me. The knowledge I had craved for so much ever since I heard the words, Take what you want, but find Livingston. End of Section 71 This recording is in the Public Domain. Recording by Philip Gould